Welcome to the Genuinely You podcast channel, which is packed with advice and tips on how to live your life with purpose. Do you wish you felt happy and fulfilled? Are you feeling stuck, wishing things could be better? Are you ready to take some action and create the life you want? To start living an empowered life, you need to recognize and make full use of the power and freedom that comes from being genuinely you. Your host is Gina Gardner, a number one best-selling author whose whole life has been about supporting people to achieve personal empowerment, helping people just like you recognize that they can. Hello there, my name's Gina Gardner and I'm your host on Passionate World Radio. I'm really pleased to be with you today. Um, I'm an international in, uh, number one best-selling author and I'm joined today by another international best-selling author, um, Rachel Davidson, who has written The Point of Me. My latest book, Thriving Not Surviving, The Five Secret Pathways to Happiness, Success and Fulfillment, um, is available from the website as a free download if you'd like to go to www.genuinely-u.com. Our theme today is all about the silliness of always needing to be right. I'm sure you've met people, and I expect at times you've been one of those people, where there has been this really strong sense that you need to have the last words to win the argument, to be seen to be right. And in my opinion, it is at times hugely overrated. Now, of course, there are situations where having somebody be right is absolutely imperative. If I was being um, operated on by a brain surgeon, I want them to be right and to argue their case and to know that they are going to give me the best possible opportunity. Yes. If you're in an aeroplane, you want the pilot to be right. But for most situations, the being right and the need to have that last word and to be mm. acknowledged as being right mm. is not life-threatening. Mm. And so often, in our need to be right, we make the other person so wrong that actually, whilst we might win the argument or the discussion, we lose out hugely. Mm. And it's about having the confidence, I think, and the, the recognition that you can have differing points of views and it doesn't make you lesser. Exactly. So... If you think about this in the personal context or in, even in the work context, mm. the need to be right often closes things down. Yes. So think about it in the work context. For the, in uh -huh. the, let's think about that first. You know, we were having a discussion yesterday about contention and about mm. um, having conflict. Mm. Uh, and my view is it's, it's confronting the issue rather than mm. uh, confrontation depending on how you do it, of course. Yes, yes. But if you're having a discussion, if there are things going on in work, it's in the richness of people having differing opinions mm -hmm. and different approaches that you are likely to get something out of that conversation which is going to be better, so much richer, than people fighting their corner and standing and saying, it's yeah. got to be this way yeah. or it's got to be that. I know when I've worked in um, corporate organisations and I've had managers who were fixated on always being right, which it, it, I understand, you know, if you're a leader of people and, you know, it's a defence mechanism that you, you need to 
you think that being a leader means that you've always got to have the answers and your answers have always got to be right because any kind of weakness is is dangerous but um often what what these people who were always right um engendered within the team was a sense of learned helplessness because you weren't allowed to have a debate you weren't allowed to be contentious you weren't allowed to be curious and to push um things and question you know well why and the answer was well because it's my way and ultimately um you know under that regime you you stop you stop thinking it's interesting because when i was a head teacher those of you who have listened to our shows before will know that i was a head teacher or principal for 21 years for me, I looked for the person who was going to be a great team player, mm. but was not going to be a yes, uh, a yes mm. person. Yeah. I wanted people who were going to think for themselves and were going to be prepared to, to push the boundaries, but in a very professional way. Yes. And I think there's, it's getting the balance. You want people to, to question, to, um, to challenge. Yes. And I think lots of people are frightened of challenge. Because they don't quite know how to deal with it. Will it get to be too difficult to put people back in their box if yeah. they get out of them, yeah. sort of thing? And yeah. I used to call it being, you know, the need to be the best boy or girl in the class. Yes. yes. Um, and if you're a, a manager or a leader, I'd urge you to learn the skills to facilitate and manage discussion and conversation mm. where you invite people mm. to challenge. So long as you also set it up with, this is how we behave, this is how we treat one another. Yeah. We do it with respect, we do it yeah. professionally. Yeah. When you do that, you get the very best of the thinking. Yes. Because so often, my experience has been that you get the great idea mm. rather than the okay or good idea, mm. which comes off the back of two or three or more people discussing things openly yeah and being prepared to push the boat out to challenge to think outside the box yes and although the idea that you choose may not come from outside the box yeah, yeah. actually it's going to be a much better richer more yes. defined more developed idea yes than if everybody said yes we'll do it this way because yes. that's what you say it's, it's making me smile about, um, I've been watching a, a series on television called The Good Doctor, which fa basically features a young surgeon who is um, a high-functioning um, autistic person. Um, I don't think they ever really sort of say exactly where on the spectrum he is, but um, he, he's basically um, very um, socially awkward, which actually means that he is a much better surgeon and doctor for it because he challenges in places where <clears throat> other people, perfectly intelligent, extremely capable people, um, sort of play play the social game that's that's ahead. Not the the scenario set up is not probably that unrealistic, in that the the senior surgeons are extremely arrogant. <laughs> And um, and you know they they have their uh, junior surgeons running around doing all of the the grunt work and and they have to count out them and all this it's it is a drama but but the autistic chap Sean um, says things like to the surgeon like um, you're very arrogant how how does that how does that help you in your job and he just says it in that neutral voice of this is an inquiry and in the show everybody else is like <gasps> embarrassed about yes. it because he's challenged yes. In a in and in, in a non challenging way, but he has challenged. And um, the story 
goes that, uh, you know, uh, the surgeons, the senior surgeons are very against him. And then slowly they begin to see, see actually how his friction, how his challenging of, are you actually right? <clears throat> and of course, in the drama, there's a lot of times when he's the hero of it because of his inquiring mind and yes. how he pushes at boundaries and thinks of unusual um, solutions where the more conventional um, uh, trainees follow just exactly yeah. what the senior one's doing. And if you take the essence of that, yeah, um, take away the drama, but take the the principle that underpins that, yeah, that if you are part of a team, be careful of the herd mentality. Yes. And many people, many organisations encourage a herd mentality yes. because it feels safe, yes. because it feels very easy to manage and suppress something that's uncomfortable. Yes. And whether we're talking about the need to be right professionally or personally, I think there is quite a, a reluctance for people to feel uncomfortable. Yes. And I think it's time that we recognise that being uncomfortable is not always bad. Mm. Out of that discomfort um, will come different ways of thinking, different ways of operating. Yes. I'm not talking about making people deliberately uncomfortable. No. It's something quite different, no. and I think it's important to make that distinction. Yes. If you're a boss, if you're a manager, mm. there are times when you have to be right health and safety, mm. um, legislation. Mm. You know, there are times when getting it wrong, if you're in a finance company, compliance mm. is incredibly important. Mm. But if you're trying to develop something new, for example, mm. if you recreate the old thinking, you'll get just what you've already had. Yep. And so it's time to think about, there is no such thing as a silly idea. Yeah. Let's, let's look at these and out of these then let's see what, what comes. Yes, yes. But if we put this into a, a personal context, yeah. the need to be right, it's my belief that the need to be right comes from a sense of, of our self-worth. Yeah. And that if we are wrong, that makes us lesser. Mm. And I think when people are... Uh, come for that and we all do it at times mm. this is not you know that's those people over there no, and no. I'm fine yeah all of us will have times in different situations yeah. where there is a need for us to be seen to be right yes and that situation sometimes will be within our families mm. because that's where mm. we feel safe or most vulnerable I think it seems to be polarized yes or it can be in the work context. Yes. But the recognition that when we dig our toes in and we need to be right, mm. it's time to look at ourselves mm. and not the other person. Mm. I think in a, in a parental sort of set, set up, I think a lot of that need to be right comes from a, um, a, a desire to protect. And, and really, Absolutely. And the base of that is um, a fear for you know, your loved ones getting into trouble or getting into harm. And so, you know, you, you begin to have this mentality of um, do what I say and then at, at least I've kept you safe. Uh, and that's very, very um, hard work and, um, well, restricting. And the, it, there's a rightness to it, mm. but it has to be age and ability appropriate. Yes. And if you only... Actually, this is not just true of parents. I often think that managers and leaders within an organisation mm. are often seen as mummy or daddy. Yeah, yeah. 
The trouble with both, if you don't give people an opportunity uh. to experiment, to fail safely, and I'll come back to that in a moment, uh. they never experience how to get themselves out of difficulty. Yes. So let me give you an example. Yeah. When you look at the statistics of um, people who are run over mm. on the road, yeah. there is a huge spike aged around 11, 12, 13. Right. And it's my belief that children are driven to school or taken to school um, until they go to secondary school. Yes, yes. They're then expected, and in my case, some, uh, we'd sent children to more schools within the borough than mm. anyone else because of our position mm. geographically. Those children were expected to then take themselves on one or two buses, public buses, yeah. cross roads, yeah. and they'd never learnt how to do it. Yeah. They could do it with somebody saying, stop, look left, look right, look left again. Uh -huh. But when they were on their own, <laughs> yeah. they it was not ingrained in them. Mm. And so they would get off the bus, they'd come behind the bus and they'd step out into the traffic. Yeah. You'd also have situations where parents would report that the children would struggle. Let's say a bus didn't turn up. Mm. They'd never worked out um, playing in the street as I did when I was a child mm. because of the inherent dangers of traffic and, mm. uh, and nasty people and so on. Mm. Children are protected to such an extent yes. that they don't learn how to manage. Yeah. And I think it's true professionally. I've worked with many an organisation where I've gone in and people don't know how to think for themselves. Yeah. Ask people a question and they'll say, what do you want the answer to be? Yeah. They don't use those words, yeah. but that's the reality. Yes. And you have to give people an opportunity to actually grow. Yeah. And they'll get it wrong. Yeah. And they have to learn how to put it right. Mm. But if you think about it, uh, oneself and the need to be right, mm. I believe it comes from a deep-seated sense of if I'm seen to be wrong, then in some way I'm not good enough. Yeah. And, you know, ultimately, having the self-worth to believe, actually, on this occasion, I'm going to suggest that we agree to differ. Yeah. Or I'll just let it go. Yeah. I was talking to a, a, a couple last week, and he was saying, that, you know, I'll talk about something, and she's always got to put me right. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't that football team, or mm -hmm. it w we didn't go to that place, or yeah. it wasn't that date. Yeah. And you have to ask yourself, does it matter? <laughs> but moreover, not only would she do it, yeah. but she'd do it in front of other people. Yeah. And it was a competition. Right. It was it was done as a form of control and power. Right. And for her, it was her getting back at the things that he did right. that she didn't like. All unconscious. Yes. Remember, 95% of what we do is done yeah. unconsciously. Yeah. But incredibly destructive. Yes. And and I heard a phrase, actually, because if you think, what's the opposite of being right? You think the opposite of being right is being wrong. But I heard somebody say that the opposite, the, the alternative choice to being right was to be kind. I think that's really interesting. Yeah. And I think it's an important one. I do think there's a caveat mm. that if you're always kind in order to keep people feeling comfortable, yeah. there are times when actually you need to allow there to be some dissension. Yes. There needs to be um, 
a counter point of view for people's intellect and their spirit yes. and their their capacity to uh, to discuss and negotiate yes. and debate yes. will only come out of discussion and yeah. debate. My interpretation of what, of what this particular gentleman was saying when he meant you know be right or be kind was was to to not oppress. I completely agree with that. <clears throat> so it wasn't to pander. It wasn't to spoil or no. or, or to um, you know to, to go over the top. But but just in that sense of um, I, I'll just leave this person with with where they are because I think they don't need me to point out their faults to them or you know that they, they're not capable at possibly at this stage of hearing that. So I'm going to be kind and just allow them a little bit of space or, or whatever. <laughs> really important point. And I think, you know, the way in which we do it mm. and the times that we choose to do it are incredibly important. Yes. And for me, the challenge is knowing when to leave it, when yeah. to challenge and how to challenge. Yeah. And whether to challenge in that moment, because sometimes, um, particularly in a personal situation, these conversations happen at a time when people are a bit heated. Yes, yeah. And yeah. so it becomes more of a competition. Yes. Whereas having a discussion later when the heat has gone in a very neutral voice. Yeah. To say, you know, I'm interested in, you know, why that was so important to you. Yeah. And there's the, you can get into a mentality where you begin to think that there is just, you know, black and white. There are two options. And, and in reality, life is not like that. And... I've had people say to me in my life, why do you have to overcomplicate everything? Because in that message they're giving me, because I don't believe I am overcomplicating things, but but I can see how you know I'm pushing them to a, a level that they're not comfortable with. Yes. And they like to stay at that sort of, you know, there's a simple dichotomy here, it's this or it's that. And when I point out, no, actually, it's not this or that, it could be many multiple layers yeah. of this and the other, it, you know, it, it, it can be hard. So so in that sense, um, it's a kindness to to back away and to, and to allow them to come to you. And certainly within my own family dynamic, I, I could go in and um, point out the errors of my family's ways as I believe them. <laughs> and I think that's important, that, that caveat. Yeah. As, as I we believe, believe them, them yeah, yeah. As I perceive them, as I have beliefs, as as the stories in my head inform me, yes. Um, and, and I could do that. And maybe there's an argument that that would be a good thing. But but actually, in the moment, when you look at it, my parents are getting on, you know, they have habits and belief systems and their own demons to deal with. Um, it, is it a kindness for me to go in and sort of point out to them at their late stage of life what they're doing wrong? Or, or and actually, that, from their point of view, I suspect that they don't think that they're doing it wrong because I don't think generally people go out to be difficult That's and disruptive. Right. Yeah. yeah, We all see the world from our perspective. Yes. And our perspective is our reality. Yes. And often we don't want that to change because we don't want to come out of our sense of safety. Yes. And, and there are many ways that I can impart learning to people my family being the case uh, that we're discussing now but there are many ways that I could do that without you know making it into a right and wrong situation mm. um you know I can change my behavior I can begin to model um aspects that that I, you know secretly I quite like them to notice and, and see and do but more important than that I can change my 
aspect, uh, my attitude towards it, my reframing of it, and and you know put a bit of kindness and forgiveness in there. Put that yes. into the mix. I think that's really important. The old saying that you know if you can't change the situation, yeah. and I believe it's not our job to change other people. No, they're not our responsibility. It's too hard, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but what we can do when we can't change the situation we can change the way in which we deal with it. Yes. And I think that's an incredibly important principle. Yes. I'd like to add to that. We are the only people we are totally responsible for. Yeah. Other than very small children or people who are incapable because of stroke or whatever, where yeah. you've got to communicate for them. Yeah. And even then you need to try. Yeah. The only people we are responsible for is us. The shamanic belief system has, has a phrase um, which is me first. And it's such a simple, it's two words for him's sake, and tiny words at that as well. And but, but it's such a deep spiritual meaning around it. I mean, it means about, you know, feed yourself, look after yourself, uh, fill your particular jug first, because then you have surplus to give to other people's. But actually, there's another meaning to it, which is you can, you are responsible for you, and you have to change you before you try to change anybody else in the world. I'd like to add a I don't know if it comes from the shamanic tradition, but I like to add just another dimension to that. Uh -huh. When things are, are difficult, yeah. it's very easy to look outwards and say it's all the other people. Look to yourself yes. first. And what am I doing yes. to initiate, to carry on, to make worse yes. this situation? Yes. Because in the doing of that, the taking ownership... Yeah for our part within whatever that situation is, mm. bearing in mind that we are the only people who control us, mm. if we choose to, mm. that if there is something that you are doing or not doing mm. that is adding to the situation, mm. you've then got the capacity to change that. Mm. But if you don't look to yourself first, if you're always looking for other people to blame out there, mm. then you're never going to find the solution, are you? I had a friend who, um, in my early 20s, said to me, um, you're always criticising others what, what you dislike in yourself. And I can remember, you know, many, many years later that moment, because I can remember some, some sort of weight, you know, penny dropping, dong. Oh. <laughs> and, um, and it was quite a difficult concept for me to live with at the time, sort of, what? No, 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 what? But actually, it's, it's very true that if you find yourself being challenged by somebody then probably there's a message in that for you. Yes. And there's probably a, you know, that sense of, hang on a minute, just look inside first. Just, just wh where are you with that? Do you do that? Is that something that you hate in yourself? Hate's a strong word, but just, just to illustrate the point. Um, before, you, before you start trying to say, well, it's all that. I mean, there are situations where somebody is behaving extremely badly. Yes. At, and, and that's the end of it. it it's their issue. But how you deal with that is your, is your issue. Yes. And I would say the only thing that I would perhaps challenge at times is that the word probably. Yeah. Because even when other people are behaving very badly, mm. it's still your choice. Do you stay? Mm. Do you say thank you, but actually mm. I'm going to leave the situation? Mm. And how are you going to leave? Yeah. I'm, I'm quite, um, I find it quite common when... Um, people say but I didn't retort I didn't enter into the argument mm. and then you discover that they've left the room flounced and banged the door after them mm. yes. and that's the equivalent of shouting definitely partaking in the argument 
<laughs> so we we partake in an argument not just with our words mm. and with our tone, mm. but with our body language by our absence. Yeah. Because many people will they will manage the situation, they control the situation mm. by withdrawing emotionally. Mm. So if you don't agree with me, then mm. I'm going to give you no attention mm. or I'm going to not be affectionate. Mm. And so it's for me it's multi-layered. It's not just about what we say. Mm. The being right is about our whole selves. Yes. Not only our words, how we say them, mm. our body language, but also the energy and the intention behind those words. Mm. Recognizing that, you know, sometimes you can be saying one thing because that feels safe, mm. but actually the intention behind them is different. And that energy, that intention will come through. Yeah, and I wonder, you know, if, if you're fighting for righteousness at all costs, uh, and let's imagine that you achieve it, I, I wonder how... Hollow victory, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I wonder how long it lasts, that sense of, of victory, that sense of... I, I think it becomes a drug. Mm. In the sense that because it's never getting to the real nub of the issue, which is you don't yeah. feel good about yourself, yeah. you need more and more of being right yes. in order to manage keeping feeling okay. Yeah. But it's never going to be great mm. because actually it's missing the fundamental point mm. that in all, if you feel great about yourself, if you've got strong self-worth, if you... Um, you recognise that, you, yes, you've got faults, but actually you like who you are. Mm. Your need to be right in each moment yeah. will be diminished. Yeah. That you will you will have the confidence to let somebody else have an opinion you don't agree with mm. or to be, to be saying things that you think, I know better than that. But actually on this occasion, mm. I think it is the kinder mm. and actually the more appropriate thing to let it go. Mm. And it might be that later on that you would come back to it. Let's go back to that couple where she corrected him consistently <laughs> in front of other people. Mm. It might be appropriate or not mm. that, you know, another time to say, no, you're talking about the whatever. Yeah. Actually, I'm not sure that was right. Yeah. But listen to the voice I'm using. Yeah. Um, and for the most part, there are times when it doesn't matter. I had a particular um, argument about being right with, with uh, my ex-husband where he um, said to somebody um, who, ha it was on a form and, and financial advisor or something, and he said, you know, where did you live? And he gave an approximate town to the place that we lived, not the village name, but the approximate town. And, and, and you know, it wasn't even on the postal address. And, and I was like, why, why are you saying the wrong town? He said, well, you wouldn't know the village. And I said, but... But it's wrong. <laughs> it's wrong. And I can remember feeling really irate, not at the actual mistake, yeah. but what was underneath it, which was the frustration of, yeah. why are you wrong? <laughs> it was a real sort of indication of... Things weren't you're right. You're not happy. No. You're not happy, yeah. I feel it's a good point, and I think often... Um, when we get irritated mm. by people, we're mm. not irritated in that moment. Well, we, we are, but it's not about that moment. No. It's actually about the time before and the time before and the time before <laughs> and the time before that. that's under the water. <laughs> and so it triggers something much bigger yeah. um, than the actual situation. Yes. And again, that's the time to question yourself. Yeah. What's really going on? 
Yeah. Why am I so intense that I have to be right and seem to be right? Yes. And I think, you know, if you start with yourself, mm -hmm. we've talked about, why do I need other people to approve of me? Mm. Because being seen mm. to be right is about getting external approval. Yes. And actually, the most important person to approve of you and what you're doing is you. Yes. And if you need that external validation to that extent, then it's time to do something about your self-worth. It really is time to actually start to unpick what's going on here. Yes. Now, those of you that are listening, there's lots and lots of help for you on the website, uh, www.genuinely-u.com. Lots of free resources about developing a better, more positive sense of self-worth. Because mm. for me, that's the key to not needing to be right mm. or being able to differentiate when it actually is important to be right and mm. when it's not. Well, just have the the um, more sophisticated awareness that you know life is not about black and white decisions. No. That there are many, many subtleties and many, many perspectives and... You know, a lot of it, you have to question where's this person starting from to end up there. You know, all of these sort of life lessons that you have yes. to learn about how complex and simple life can be. And mm. I think that that um, strange relationship between the seemingly simple, mm. it's a bit like the tip of an iceberg, that what you see coming out of the water is, is very clear-cut and very simple, yeah. but there's a huge body of stuff yes. underneath which yes. makes it very complex. Yes. We'd love to know what you think. We'd love to know if there are particular themes that you would like us to cover in future shows. You can get um, in touch with us through the website, www.genuinely-u.com, or through the radio show, Passionate World Radio, um, and we would love your feedback. Let us know if you're enjoying our shows and if there are themes you'd like us to cover. What do you think about always being right? What are the situations where you've got yourself into a place where you have felt right and it's felt like a hollow victory? Um, so please do contact us. Let us know how you are getting on and... Uh, we look forward to seeing you in the next show. So it's goodbye from me, Gina Gardner, and from Rachel um, mm -hmm. Davidson and Passionate World Radio. Thank you very much indeed. Bye now. You've just been listening to another great Genuinely You podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Genuinely You is a culmination of Gina's work, spanning over 30 years, of helping people learn what makes them feel happy and truly fulfilled, and how to achieve it. Please visit genuinely-u.com today to find out more.